Get ready to be dazed and infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Give me a koala. <laughs> No, you know, we'll just back it up. Giving Koala a freebie here. Oh, yeah, me too. Oh, yeah. The galley. Okay, there you go. All right, Brasco, any and more instructions? All okay. Right. We'll count it in. Five, four, three, two. Welcome back to another great episode of Days and Infused. Tonight, we are very privileged to have Annie Holman from the galley santa rosa here with us and annie welcome to the show thank you so much latham and i am so pleased to be sitting with you this evening well i am pleased to be standing as i like to do when i'm doing the podcast but it's really great to have you here and in full disclosure annie holman and i do a fair amount of business together even more since last week and yeah. we are very simpatico and we are part of the culture which is the big movement right now in cannabis to keep it culturally relevant and real so welcome again and Thank i'm going to start start this interview out with the same way i start every interview and annie what is your historical relationship to cannabis and go back in time where did you come to it and how did you get here so my relationship with cannabis is pretty new i would say in the last 10 years when mm -hmm. i was a young adult i didn't use cannabis because it was um didn't sit well with me it made me feel paranoid and quiet and I wasn't fun and funny anymore and so <laughs> so I didn't use it as a young adult and it wasn't until about 10 years ago where I was just having a lot of problems I used to be a graphic designer I was sitting in front of my computer all day long and I started having just endless aches and pains arthritis in my fingers you know you name it and of course I was gobbling Advil like it was going out of style which was hurting oh, yeah. my stomach yep and the other issue that I was has always have had as a human is sleeping. And I'm just, I think it's all in my head. Because um, <laughs> once I get to sleep, I'm good. But, um, and so a friend of mine said to me, hey, you know what? There's a lot of advancements in what then now is called cannabis. Um, and you should try some of these CBD products. You should even try some THC for this evening, you know, for your sleeping. And I did. And so I was able to wean myself off of most most Advil, I only really take it if I really have to, um, by using um, daily uh, CBD products for inflammation. And the bigger of the two was I was basically addicted to a pharmaceutical called clonopin, and which, you know, messes with your brain. And, and, and you know, I was starting to forget my name, things like that. So, <laughs> and so, no, really, I mean, it just, it really does. And so I weaned myself off that as well. And so now I use, you know, a couple sprays of some pretty high dose THC under my tongue and I will pretty much sleep the entire night, maybe get up once. So it changed everything for me. That's actually a pretty common response. Yes, um, it is. Um, and I think, I'm on the same wavelength as you because as far as what I refer to as the death spiral that I was on based on an accident I was involved in where mm -hmm. I really messed up my neck and back, 
my doctor had me on so all sorts of crap. Klonopan was one of them. I was on opioids. I was on Advil, Aleve. And then to fight the stomach problems, I was on stomach drugs, exactly. you know? And then <laughs> I, I forgot to mention those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I just felt worse and worse and worse. And then right. I started medicating with cannabis and it, it changed my life. I think it changed a lot of people's lives. So, yes. Yes, well, definitely. that's a good, good response. So um, you run the galley and they're in Santa Rosa, California. Um, you make edibles for the masses here in California. And what is a 7N facility like yours? What is the definition of that for people who don't? So, know? yes. So basically we have a 10,000 square foot building. It is manufacturing for cannabis brands. And so we, what we did was we gutted that building and we divided it up into several manufacturing spaces. And what we have going on is we do, we have a big commercial kitchen. So in that kitchen, we produce anything edible wise, cookies, sauces, brownies, things of that nature. We also have a separate room that is solely dedicated to making beauty products, you know, eye creams, massage, oils, things of that nature. Topicals and tinctures are also processed in that room. In the middle of the plant, we have very efficient packaging equipment. So the idea here is to not be doing things by hand anymore. So that includes, you know, flow wrappers and bottle cappers and band sealers and bag fillers and you name it, woos it. So <laughs> um, <laughs> you got it all, right? You got it all. Um, and people love to give me things. And so <laughs> yeah. and my staff keeps telling me, stop, stop accepting all this, this is equipment. I'm like, someday we might need it. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> so, might. So, um, and in the back of the plant, we have um, two, uh, we call our sugar shack actually. And in those two rooms, we have a very high end chocolate machine that makes anything chocolate. So it does enrobing mm. and filling and truffles and bars. And next door to that, we have the candy machine and that will make caramels and hard candies and gummies. Across from those two rooms, we have a cooling room to cool down those products because they're quite finicky. Um, and so that wraps up uh, the manufacturing side of things. We can also do small beverages up to about 12 ounces non-carbonated. Wow. Yeah. So um, just to give you guys a rundown who are listening to the show, we currently distribute a lot of products that Annie produces. So Professor Snooks, F.A. Ninos, Mamma Mia, Bad Mommies. Um, what else do we do? Uh, Lori and Mary Jane, soon to come to California. We do... Uh, Dovana and we do green bead botanical shout out to, uh, Bridget and Kim there, uh, Quim koala bars. And if you're watching visually, I'm wearing a koala shirt today that I <laughs> yes, got at, uh, WeedCon <laughs> 2021 and, um, many, many other brands. Um, and it, it brings you into really interesting category, especially within the cannabis space, because you are doing something that I like to model our business after and that sense distribution. We do a lot of things within the space for edibles and getting those products out to the audience that wants edibles. And there's a lot of people in the state who want those things. Mm -hmm. um, there are different levels of these kitchens in California, the 6N, 7N, all infusion based. How many 7N kitchens are there in California? There's not very many, are no, there? No, there's not, um, especially um, on a scale that we are at. Um, there's a lot of smaller shops that will do just chocolate or just gummies or just pre-rolls. And so we decided to kind of try to do all the food, um, right. the food and the small bev. So there's probably another two or three large manufacturers in the state like us. 
Yeah. And not by using the way, it. I know them all and I am all about collaboration and not competition here. There's just room for all of us. And, and I have a working relationship with all of them um, yeah. because there's certain things that we don't do that they do. And likewise back. And, and it just, it's really, it's wonderful. This, the cannabis industry, I mean, I come from the art industry and we're pretty cool people too, but the cannabis people I find to just be really, you know, wanting to, to make things work and collaborate. And, you know, it just, I, I really enjoy that. I, I, I never call anyone and have them say to me, I'm sorry, I can't tell you that. <laughs> so, yeah. And I, I give my time freely as well because I, it always comes back to me. So I really appreciate that about this industry. Yeah, I appreciate it too. And I was just having this conversation with a PR group down in Los Angeles today. And we were, I was talking about the culture, an event we're going to do in August and one later in September. And I, when she was, um, I'll give her a shout out, Kip Morrison from KMA. And Kip asked me, she said, what's, what's the culture? What do you mean? And I said, well, it's, it's about people who have been in the cannabis business, who have been ridden hard and put away wet, as they say. <laughs> And have been <laughs> been this down these, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's it's um we all have experienced the highs and lows, right? Yes. And oh, yes. many many lows. Um, yes. it looks like we're coming into a high again. Yes, agreed. Uh, funny agreed. term to use for this, but we are <laughs> coming out of this COVID bullshit and yes. merging into a new and better way. Yes. Um, and the survivors are still here with us, which is really really good. Um, and that is the culture. Uh, people, you and I both encounter the people from outside the culture who come in and they're like, oh, we're just going to do it this way. You and I had a right. conversation the other day about a certain right. individual, a certain company about it. Just like, I've got to get this out into a hundred dispensaries in two weeks. Well, <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> hopefully you have a time machine. Okay. Cause that's not how this one works. Um, but the culture is important. And it's one of the things that I like to advocate for and be um, very mindful of and address it at every turn, whether it's with my distribution Absolutely. company or with my products, it's about the culture. Um, so it is important. So if you're listening at home and you think you've got an idea, make sure you're in uh, the culture, so to speak, and come to someone like Annie or myself, we do an incubator project and we mm -hmm. can take you to the line and then hand you over to Annie without you spending gazillion dollars with attorneys and people who don't know shit about anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I know yeah, I, would um, like to, I would actually like to give you an example of another example of culture. Um, for me, I've only been in this industry seven years, which actually is a long time, um, especially because yeah. cannabis is like dog years. So, um, <laughs> so um, one thing that's very, very important to me is to get these legacy brands who built the path that I walk on back on the shelves because they yeah. all, you know, are become extinct and shoved off the shelves, you know, due to the, you know, barrier of entry is so high and the regulations are so complicated. I mean, it took me $5 million to get this project going. And yeah. so, you know, my, one of my goals to, to circle back around and to give back to my new community that I'm a, I'm a newbie of is to help these brands get back on the shelf. So much like you in your incubator program, you know, I've reached out to a lot of these legacy brands that, you know, used to, you know, make their products in, in their own kitchen or a small kitchen they've rented. And I'm really trying to work with them to, you know, do rev, rev shares or make it so they can be back on the shelves because it's just, it really, um, it hurts my heart that this has happened. Um, the second thing that I'm trying really hard to do is get the medical back in place again here. Um, oh, God, God, bless you for, God bless you for saying yeah. that. 
I'm yeah, I mean, really, that's honestly, important. It's so important because I, I don't know, we didn't really touch on this, but before I did the galley, I had a bakery called Derby Bakery and we were a medical bakery. And, you know, we had a hundred milligram, 200 milligrams, 300 milligram cookies. And most of our patients were end of life patients. And mm -hmm. it was so gratifying for me to have, you know, a patient's son call me up and say, Annie, my father and I watched a baseball game. We, he ate, he was able to go to the bathroom. You know, he got off his opiates because he ate your cookies and he died with dignity. I mean, it still gives me goosebumps. And I yeah. had those experiences left and right. And our state has completely obliterated the medical and it's shameful. It is shameful. And that was not supposed to be the intent nope. either. Um, the way they have um, merged the two and just basically giving a medical client a tax benefit right? and, and or in certain uh, municipalities like in Vista, California, above San Diego, mm -hmm. it's all medical there, which mm -hmm. is bizarre because they're legitimate dispensaries. Right. But I'd like to see a whole level of um, dispensaries. Again, they're purely medical. Well, right. And because, you know, a 10 milligram cookie isn't going to do jack for someone with a giant brain tumor who's dying. No, nothing. I mean, that's the bottom Zero. line. And we don't we don't have anything to offer these people anymore. And it's just it really that also breaks my heart. So I'm trying to do everything I can to you know, advocate for that. I mean, for God's sakes, we were a medical state for 20 plus years. We pioneered that. And for, and for that to, to have gone away pretty, pretty well, it's again, shameful. Well, it's shameful. And it's <laughs> regulators, purely, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's a purely, a, it's a, a revenue grab. That's all it is right. really. Right. Now, uh, speaking of those um, legacy brands, you do make some stuff for what is a legacy brands that are more popular. You do Bang Chocolates, B-A-J-N-G, right. and Corova. You do have Corova in the house there too. So we those do. are two legacy products that have done well. And I advise everyone, if you have not seen the pa uh, the palette of offering, go to thegalleysr.com. That's T-H-E-G-A-L-L-E-Y-S-R.com to find out what Annie does, especially if you're interested in getting into this field. And again, you can always contact us at sensedistribution.com if you are in the incubator stage and you want the information. We are a low-cost way to get into the business and get over hurdles. Right. And at, at this point, I want to uh, mention that Sense Distribution is a wonderful uh, distributor of delicious products around the state of California. And this show is always is brought to you by Sense Distribution and Shuggies. <laughs> Find us at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S, Shuggies.com or SenseDistribution.com. Um, Annie, so I want to go into what we talk about a lot because you, we've sat down a couple of times recently, what are the challenges currently other than the regulatory stuff? Are there challenges on a day-to-day -day basis that make your life difficult in your business? Well, so just to backtrack, just to, and not to pound COVID on the head, but that we, we launched, I worked for about a year and a half to get the uh, facility open. There were a lot of challenges getting the facility open, mostly on the local level here in Santa Rosa. And so once I got that all taken care of, the state issued my license within a couple of weeks, both of them. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and so we got open and then boom, COVID. And I was just like, you've got to be kidding me right now. <laughs> just like, I mean, all of my customers, you know, lost their supply chain, lost their funding, simply could not deal with the unknown. So I had that challenge. And then, you know, just also setting up my facility, 
um, to be safe for my employees. That was extremely challenging because there's no handbook in my lifetime for a pandemic. <laughs> you know? so, so that was very, very challenging for me. I did find what worked the best and this. I give this advice to people across the board, connect with your people on a really raw level. And what I mean by that is I, you know, finally brought everybody together and we started having weekly COVID meetings yep. and I connected with them very heavily. And I spoke my unfiltered truth about how I was also scared. And, you know, at my age and I have an 11 year old daughter and yada, yada, yada. And so, you know, once I connected with my staff, I, I can't even tell you, it doesn't even have to be about COVID, any issues that are happening. If you engage your staff, and you make them feel valued and you get their input and you build these policies together with your staff, you will have such bright spots and you will have a little family. And through this, pande this pandemic, um, I have the same people that are working for me a year and a half ago. They're still with me. They stayed That's with me through this chaos and mess and being scared. And, you know, so I, I, can't, I can't say enough how, how much when you are having challenges to connect connect, connect. And a lot of people think, you know, when I took over as CEO, I literally had to Google that. I was like, okay, what does that mean? You know, because I was a salesperson. I'm a marketing <laughs> salesperson. I'm like, oh, okay, do everything. Got it. You know, Yeah. <laughs> but you know, you can't. And so, you know, um, it was challenging for me to get the right people around me. And I did. And so, you know, it's just, it be open and honest and, and just connect and that will fix your challenges. Because when people see you on a real level, they can relate to that. It is true. And I had the same conversations with some of my ex-partners now about COVID <laughs> and the implications of COVID. And I said, you know, this is going to require extraordinary efforts on our parts and thinking differently. I, <clears throat> and I lost some people that way. And, but my core team, who you all, you know, yeah. um, they all stood up and go, yeah, we're down for this challenge. We'll be safe. And I said, you know, if you're not feeling safe, you know, we'll hold your job for you mm -hmm. as long as we possibly can. And, but that didn't happen. We had really right. good response to that openness and frank talk. Exactly. Um, and we were blessed, I think all of us in terms of like the infection rate in the cannabis business has been very, very low. low. Yeah, very low. I have my own theories on that um, because they're medical. I won't espouse them on the air, but uh, <laughs> that, that has been the reality if, from day one. Yeah. Um, from the time on Friday, March 13th of 2020. Oh, when you I know the date. Wow. <laughs> well, I was supposed to have 2,500 yeah. people at the speed shop with oh. Hazy LA for oh. a big event. And the night before, Gil Garcetti, the um, esteemed mayor of Los Angeles, said, nope, no, 250 as of tomorrow. So yeah. we had an event with 250 people, yeah. everyone being safe. And we're still good. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the important thing was to be out there and to show that you're not fearful. And right. I did know a lot of people. I got COVID. That's uh, right. I forgot about and, that. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't severe in my case, so I'm knocking wood. you know. Mm -hmm. um, but this has been a trying time. So that takes us to a more positive question. And it kind of leads to you where you were saying, what are the high points of your job and how, um, what, what your efforts are doing and yielding in terms of result? Mm -hmm. So for me right now, we are literally just coming out of the, of the fog, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Um, and 
And so um, honestly, it kind of, this, this little respite I had, and, and thank, thank you to my investors because they helped me through it. Otherwise, I would not be talking to you right now. Let's give um, them a shout out. That's FinCana yeah. Group, right? Yes, FinCana Capital. Um, they were supportive and um, they helped me through things. And they kind of stay out of my way, which I like. But, you know, I finally called and said, I need some help. <laughs> and they helped well, me. They, they provided me with a mentor, which was extremely helpful, who I talked to every day for 30 minutes for almost a year. Um, and he would help me solve for things because, as I mentioned, I came into this as being the CMO and the sales and marketing person. And then I had a partner go sideways. And so I took over the CEO job. I didn't really know how to do that. And so mm -hmm. he helped me. And so the high for me right now is that I know how to do this job and I know how to do it well. And I've That's always good. been a natural leader. And so to, to be able to take my natural leadership skills and put them into a more structured environment um, has been, uh, it's been very challenging for me, but I got it. <laughs> and I have my own little way of doing things. Some people tell me, oh, you overshare and you talk too much and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? I'm not going to change that because it works. And, and, and you, yeah. you always know what you're going to get from me. And I'm always going to be right up front and honest. And, and that is a high for me. So what is also very gratifying for me is to work with people around me that know what they're doing and I don't have to micromanage anybody anymore. <laughs> And so right. I can, like I said, I can walk away from the business and know that it's still going to run top notch. That is a big issue. Um, and I've experienced that recently. I've been a CFO of my past company for 27 years. Um, and as a CFO, my role was a little different because I was very much into the nuts and bolts of the finances. Right. Um, and payroll and the rest of that stuff. Um, but as CEO, I have taken on all these responsibilities. And it's very important that you, and I've realized this, is that you don't tread on other people's territory too much right. and make them fearful of what you do because it doesn't help. Right. It doesn't help no. at all. But it's you know what else? Oh, excuse me. I was going to uh, uh, interject that what I realized, I tried to run, run the company in the beginning because I did not know what I was doing. Uh, very, what I would call flat. Um, meaning everybody has the same say and blah, blah, blah. And then I realized after about a month of that, that's not working. That everybody, work. they need this, but it doesn't mean that I have to run around cracking the whip, you know? So I have my own style and it works really well, but I do understand now that the hierarchy and the structure needs to be in place. Right. Yeah. It is important. Very important. So let's, let's go to a different subject altogether. Um, and it's something that I picked up at a conference I was at in LA last week. Um, so I was talking to a bunch of CEOs and COOs of different cannabis companies. And I heard some rather disturbing news, um, good for the consumer, bad for the business. Mm -hmm. And that is how many millions of square feet of um, growth space is coming online in the next month. Mm -hmm. And it, it's shocking. Yeah. You and it's just here in California. That. And so what do you think the, the future of flower is? I have my own predictions, but I'd love to hear your take on it. You know what, Latham? I don't know if I'm the right person to ask that question okay. because I'm not in that business. Yeah. I, I didn't like what you told me. I was like, holy smokes, that's huge. So it seems like the obvious thing would be the small farmer, the legacy farmer. It's yes. going to be even more difficult for them. And that but I do, is also I do think. Well, we're, we're from, you know, Marin, Sonoma, Napa counties, right? And uh, so much of our stuff is ag. 
always has been. It's classic, and, and especially Sonoma and Napa counties where you got mm-hmm. wine. And you do see that the legacy players who are artisanal makers who really put their heart and soul into it do survive and they do thrive if they approach it correctly in the family type manner. So I'm hoping, my hope is that flower, the future flower is in that artisanal space within the uh, terroir space, as they say in the wine business, mm-hmm. where you're branding the farmer, you're branding the land and you're branding your product. So I'm hoping that's where that's going. I hope so too. So let's go back to a similar question, but a different question entirely. Um, where do you think the cannabis business itself is going? Well, I don't think that California has performed as it was supposed to, which we all know. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> um, but, you know, I also think it's like I tell a lot of my brands, I said, listen, you didn't miss anything in the last two years. The first year was everybody trying to get open or year and a half or so. And then we all got COVID and everything shut down. And if you were a new brand, you were going to have a pretty tough time getting on the shelves. So I think um, California is definitely a much longer play than anybody thought. I think that we, we, um, we had too high <laughs> of an expectation for California. Um, and I think the regulations need to be tuned up a bit and, you know, we don't need to wax poetic about that, but I think that we are going to do very, very well. I just think it's a longer play. I think it's a year or two out before this state really does perform like it should. And that being said, I believe that it will perform like it should hundred percent. It's just going to take a bit more time. And yeah, there's, <laughs> there's no, there was no reason it shouldn't. And it's, um, there's somewhat of a myopic view of this and the state because we are a huge economy mm-hmm. and we've got every possibility of getting huge if we want it to happen. Um, so that goes hand in hand with the state of edibles and drinks. I mean, they're going to get bigger they're going to get yeah. better. Your incredible lineup of products you're producing currently, and I'm sure you've got more in the hopper. Um, they're they're going to find their place and they're going to find their place with people in individual slots. And it's not like so much of the dispensary now is gummies right. and pre-rolls and, and everything. Uh, every time I talk to a, a dispensary owner, I'm like, hey, you know what? There's a lot of buyers out there that you're missing right now. You're totally. just you're just <laughs> missing them. Yeah. And that's because your emphasis is on profit today, right. not long-term model for profit in the future with retail. Especially in our age bracket. You know, this this I guess I can Oh say. god, yes. God, yes. <laughs> the baby boomer. I'm on the tail end of that, but you know. <laughs> Me, you, you and I are the same age. The so same age, exactly. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, there's a lot of my friends who just, I'm not going to a dispensary, you know, but they're so, they're so interested and they have money, you know, yeah. and I always tell people too, somebody needs to make, you know, more products for men. I think, you know, especially in the edible lines, you know, I keep, you know, people come to me, I'm going to make low dose products for women. I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, how about you make a sports cream in a black apple box? That'll sell off the shelves, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> just, also, I think the male population is a bit underserved. And I, I do also think in terms of males, especially dads, right? Yes. About how cannabis can help your interpersonal relationships a lot. A lot. And you stay off of the alcohol and you go to yep. something that could be give you empathy and give you some feelings. Absolutely. And that's, that's a big thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, alcohol gonna- is, you know, it's funny. I have to say just to on, touch on alcohol a little bit, cause I was having this conversation with my husband. Cause my husband is, 
his relationship with cannabis started about 13 at 13 and he still uh, smokes more cannabis or eats edibles. He doesn't drink a lot of alcohol, even though he's a winemaker. I always went more towards alcohol, but uh, I stopped, really stopped drinking, especially during COVID because, you know, honestly, it would, it would make me feel depressed. And so then I started using more cannabis, especially the cannabis beverages, because they kind of act like a glass of wine sans the hangover and the depression. Yes. Yes. And I have to be honest with you over the 4th of July weekend, I probably had maybe, I don't know, three glasses of wine one day and two the next. I didn't feel very good on Monday. I felt very off and depressed and that's what it's from. So I don't, I don't need that. (laughs) Nobody needs a hangover. Yeah. So, um, on that note, um, we pretty much came to the end of the show. That was 30 minutes quick. Awesome. Um, that was quick. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Stony Story usually, but I think you already said everything. And <laughs> as far as this program tonight, I'm going to dedicate this program to the galley in Santa Rosa, Thank California. You. And look for um, products made by the galley. There's many, many, many out there. Find them at thegalleysr.com on the interweb and um, look for more stuff coming out of this dynamic kitchen and this dynamic woman. Annie, thanks so much for being here. Yes, thank you so much. I always enjoy talking to you. I'm so thrilled to know you and thank you so much for having me on your show. Anytime. And if you want to do a big launch of any new product line, let me know. We'll get you back. I will. (laughs) <laughs> okay, thank you, Annie, right, and look for us anytime. As always, this show is brought to you by Shuggies, S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S. Now we have Stevia, now we have Pourable Agave, and now we have better sugar in the home baker bag. Look for us at a dispensary near you. Thanks again, Annie. We'll see you soon. Bye, Latham. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.